Welcome along to another episode of Super 7, a show where we ask a current or former rider about his dream team, his ideal lineup, his Super 7. My name is John McGilvery. And I am Liam Rudden, and it's great to be back for a second series of Super 7. And uh, tonight we have a great guest, as always, telling us about their dream team. Now, it may be riders that they watched as a child and who were their heroes. It may be riders that they've ridden with on the track, or it may be somebody up and coming that they can see the talent in. But we've asked them to tell us their Super 7, their dream team, to introduce tonight's guest. It's back to John. Yeah, thanks, Liam. So we have uh, this week a 2007 under-19 European champion. He is a two-time under-21 World Cup runner-up and he first came to ride league racing in the UK in 2008. Welcome along to Nikolai. Clint, Nikolai, thank you for joining us. First and foremost, how are you? Good, thanks. I'm good and thanks uh, for letting, letting me on the show. No, no, thank you for joining us. Um, we did a brief chat before we went live here and um, obviously things have been very, very different over the last year. How are you surviving things over in Denmark? Uh, I'm surviving all right, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> the the restrictions are sort of the in England, um, other than you can go out as, you, as and when. Um, there's no restrictions on our run or exercise or whatever. Everything is shot over here. Um, there's takeaways, uh, pharmacists, uh, same kind of um, shoppers' boots is open, um, McDonald's and stuff like that, and loads of takeaways. So it, it is more or less the same. Um, Monday for a group training in a, in, a, in a gym, but because we was a professional group of five, then we were allowed to train with a trainer. So it's a little bit different, but more or less the same. Mm-hmm. I don't. I've not been for any. Uh professional training down at the gym what about yourself Liam? Uh, I think you can tell I've not done any training <laughs> door at the end of all this I'll tell you. Um, Nikolai we, we didn't get much speedway at all in the UK last year John and I I think we presented two meetings in the whole year two uh, junior meetings what was it like for you did you manage to get some time on the bike on the track? Yeah, I was, uh, even though I only did 27 or 28 meetings uh, in 2020, I was actually fairly busy. As many know, uh, I traveled to Poland in the middle of June, and uh, I think I had my first meeting around the 3rd or the 4th of July. I had to do uh, two weeks, uh, 14 days uh, quarantine, uh, but it was a little bit, it was a little bit loose because... I was allowed to go out as long as I didn't get in contact with too many people. Um, okay. I found out when I got out there, so it was okay. Um, but yeah, I've been busy. I've been been doing a full league um, program in Poland, uh, a full league program in Sweden, where I think I ended up doing eight or ten meetings, and then I did a semi final and a final in Denmark of the Danish Championship. So um, I've been fairly busy because of, I've been doing a lot of practice as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's been good for me. How different did it feel with all the restrictions and uh, the, the, the precautions that they, they brought in? Did it feel very different? Um, not as a whole. Uh, I wouldn't say as a whole it, it felt any difference. Um, obviously, in Poland, we had to wear masks and gloves at all times. 
And if we didn't, we had a grand fine and I nearly got called out a couple of times. And also we couldn't get in contact with any fans. Uh, and I was told off once because I had a picture with a fan at the stadium. The funny thing though, mm -hmm. is um, after the meeting, when, when I went for some lunch and I um, I could have a picture with a fan. So, and also I didn't wear any gloves or, or mask down there, but yeah, it, it was, it was a bit tough because you had to get used to, Remember your mask, remember your gloves, and it was around 30, 32 degrees in Poland. Uh, so it was not very comfortable, uh, that's for sure. And then you've got the tel television cameras on you all the time, and you, I saw a few of the riders grabbing for their masks as the TV camera came past them in the pits. Yeah, that's true, that's true. And it was all, always on me because uh, I'm the better looking person. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, sometimes you had to sort of be precautious um, when you got into the pits but actually when we, we when we did a Saturday meeting at two o'clock and also a Sunday meeting at two o'clock there was no cameras in the pits it was only a, a um, internet televised meeting on a, on something like BT Sports app or whatever you call it uh, so there's no cameras in the pits there was only a couple of cameras around the stadium uh, to to record this, the racing, so it was not too bad. Um, and was it a big fine if you got caught? Yeah, a grand. A grand. Wow. Mm. Okay, no. John, we better remember our masks. Uh, no, <laughs> remember he, he, he says he, he says he's the best looking guy there. And they try to tell us the front page of the Speedway Star um, that he's that he's not one with great self belief. But I don't believe that for a second, Nicolai. <laughs> no, <laughs> I actually think I was I was told that this um, this week's Speedway Star was uh, the best selling this year so far. <laughs> <laughs> Love this guy. <laughs> Love this guy. Um, we're obviously craving um, Speedway over here. We didn't get anywhere near um, what we'd hoped for, never mind what we can usually expect. Um, I did read the interview there. You're, you're saying that you're happy to come back next year or this year now for Ipswich. Um, are you hoping at Beyond Hope? Have you got a date set or anything like that that you're thinking we can get back into the UK and get racing again? Uh, to be honest, I don't have a clue. Um, I haven't. I haven't been in contact with with, uh, with Chris Louis um, recently, so I actually don't know anything about uh, about what's going on or when they're going planning to start. Uh, obviously, the first date was uh, April the first uh, around Easter weekend, but that's been pushed back a bit now. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it in the start of May? They're they're hoping yeah. to to get wheels spinning, so we only have to wait. But like also, I said in in the interview in Speedway Star, what I'm the what I'm concerned about is it's not so much the racing to to start up, but it's all the travel restrictions which will mm. cause me issue. Um, but if everything goes to plan and um, goes back to normal, which which everyone hopes it will it will sooner rather than later, then then I'll be there for sure. Perfect. Well, well, uh, we're here to look at your Super 7. You can see we've invested heavily in uh, so it's that side. And uh, I'll never make a, a weather forecaster. Um, and the backdrops and all that sort of stuff. We're moving forward in Season 2, Liam. Just a bit, just a bit. Although uh, mine didn't fit, so I've, gone to, I've reverted to this one. We should maybe have a competition for Guess the Track. That, that's the National Stadium, isn't it, Liam? The National Stadium. Well, I, I know Scotland. a lot of people would be very pleased to hear it called that. <laughs> yeah. So we're here to talk about your Super 7, the guys who have inspired you um, or otherwise or influenced your career. 
Um, so we'll start at number one then. And the guy is a six-time world champion. He's no stranger to this show, as you can imagine. Who is at number one? Tony Rickardson. And why have we got Tony then? The big T. Well, <clears throat> since, since I was a young boy, uh, he's always been my, uh, my idol and one I look, looked up to. Um, I think it came from um, the 1991 World Final where he came uh, second, didn't he? I think so, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and he, was, he was so flamboyant, he was different. Um, he and then he had a few, few years where, where he didn't perform as good. As as uh, as then, and then he won the world, uh, his first world title in '94, on the on the purple bikes, and yeah, since then uh, I loved him. Actually, I've never ever rode on the same team as him, but I was uh, lucky enough, if you could say that, well, I, I would say lucky, <laughs> to race the two out of his three um, farewell meetings, the final laps. I did one in Pool, and uh, one in Arvista, where. Um, I was yeah again lucky enough to chat with him um, at the after parties and stuff and he's uh, he he is probably the 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 guy who's uh, brought speedway up to the level it's at now uh, even if you ask other other riders about it not just with with the way he's uh, published and exposed his sponsors but his team uh, he he made his own frame his professionalism um, everything around him uh, was just so much bigger than everyone else, and his riding style. Uh, yeah, and also if, if 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 one of the one of the things I took out of his leaves, I took out of his book was his obviously the starting the gating. Um, that's something he worked on, and um, got him his, uh, his sixth world title. When you when you first saw him race, Nikolai, what was it that made him? stand out on that occasion what was it made him different to all the other riders that you were watching at the time i think it was just his uh like i said his flamboyant style his uh, aggressive racing his um never die attitude and um then um he's a likable guy isn't he um you cannot like him even though he he's, he he was he was a hard rider um yeah, I think I've just yeah, just his uh, his personality uh, was a bit different to to many others, especially the Danes that was racing when I was watching it and f first started going speedway. Hans Nielsen, Tommy Knudsen, and stuff like that, who who was a bit more um, stale, if you could say that. And you you know you're doing well when you've got a number of farewell meetings, don't you? You know you're a, <laughs> you're a decent rider when you've got two or three of them, but when. The one thing that always struck me about Ricardson was his professionalism. He always looked a million bucks. His bikes always looked brilliant. His suits, everything always looked great. Was that something that you looked at and went, you know, that's the kind of level you said about dragging it up. Um, that's the level you need to be at. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I remember when I was doing ATCCs, he, at one point he had um, blue and yellow and, and I had the same colours. Um, we, we couldn't afford a a race suit, so I had to wear, uh, I think it was Sinisalo um, MX gear that just got outside, the, just got tucked outside the, of the boots. But yeah, I tried to sort of, um, can you say imprison it? It's called imprison yeah. yeah. him um, just because he was cool back then. 
but like you say, his professionalism and how he just just how he exposed uh, his sponsors on his Kevlar's, his his bikes and stuff. It didn't look like Christmas tree. You could see all of them. Um, his color scheme and stuff like he, he was just different um, to many others. As well as his six world championships, he also had another 34 honours, either championships or, or honours that he won um, in his career, which is a phenomenal amount. You know, I sat and counted them all. Um, mm -hmm. Is that something that you would aspire to? Are you gonna are you uh, gonna break that record? Maybe, maybe I, I get more than so. <laughs> But if I if I could have a couple of donors, then uh, I wouldn't mind. But like you say, it, it, it's pretty amazing to think about because he was actually in such a short career. He he finished in two thousand seven midway through, and the first time he got a, a world championship medal was in ninety one. Um, so it's a short career, uh, even though if you take someone like Hans Nielsen, he had multiple world championships and titles and medals and i don't know what uh, but that was in in, in sort of a, a yeah two decades uh, nearly so um I, I wouldn't mind a couple of his honors that's for sure <laughs> you said there uh, you mentioned hans nielsen a couple of times there and i don't want to give the game away too early but no, he's no. not in your one to seven now personally i think and i think it's probably as, as the time i started going to speedway i loved hans nielsen I still do. Mm -hmm. He's probably one of my favourite all-time... I think he's one, one of my favourite all-time riders. Is there a reason he didn't make it in to your team? As many as you choose from, innit? <laughs> um, and I, I could make a list of riders I would like to be... Um, to have been in my team, but I tried to uh, do a bit of the past, a bit of the now, a bit of... Uh, the old old guard, if you could call them that. Um, you could also say, oh, Eric Gunderson would have been nice to have, uh, to have written down in my team. And obviously, I know a lot about Eric, but I've never watched him ride. Um, and I think it's due to the rivalry uh, Hans and Tony had, and uh, I was on Tony's side, so that's why he... <laughs> We were hoping it. for some personal beef. We wanted a bit of, a bit of sensationalism here on Super 7. <laughs> That's a very strong start at number one. At number two, we're going to go for a Maltese-born rider who was also a world champion and a three-times British champion. So, Nikolai, who have you got at number two? Mark Loram. And, uh, and the reason for that is, uh, again, his riding style. Um, I loved watching Mark all the way back from when I first saw him in uh, I was actually there I was every time there was a meeting at Voyance I had a little um, plastic box uh, in Denmark we we have uh, glass bottles of beers in them so if you em obviously empty them out and turn them around it's like a little step so I was standing on them by the by the safety fence so I could just look over um, at the back straight uh, but it there's when you watch Mark race you, you cannot uh, you cannot enjoy it well not not enjoy it he's uh, all out he's all action and I think that's why he's uh, he's liked by so many how old were you when you when you first watched him five five I think Five, yeah. I was five in, in 94. Um, but due to my dad, um, 
I watched Speedways yeah, since a very, very small age. And it, it is strange because I wasn't very old, but I can either remember watching the 91 final at Gothenburg when Jano won it. Um, so, yeah, I've been, been to a few meetings. What was it about his style, Nicola? You said, again, it was his style that captured your imagination. Yeah. What was it that he did that other riders weren't doing? Well, it was, it, it was his overtaking, wasn't it? It was, it was his uh, leg back, uh, flat out, uh, full gas attitude. And everyone loved the, um, well... I did certainly love it when uh, his bike started wheeling coming out of the turn and he, he gave it the, the full, full arm down the back straight or, or home straight to just keep it down. And it was, it, it was so cool. And um, I sort of did a little bit of the same at the Danish final and I found a clip and I put it on Twitter. Um, I think I wrote something with a bit of, um, I did a bit of a Loramski style uh, of the home straight. But that it, it also, I remember when he won in... Uh, 90, no, was it 99? Yeah, he won the Danish Grand Prix in 97. What was it when he won it in Linköping? Was that 99 or 2000? 99? Oh, oh, was it wildcard? I think it was wildcard. It was when it was raining in that. Um, that was an awesome race. One of the best. Um, and it was a bit strange, to be honest. He didn't win a GP, but he got world, he got crowned yeah. world champion. Even I was going to ask, you know, is that, do you think that's something that could happen nowadays to go through... The, the GP car not win a Grand Prix but be the world champion? No, I don't think so. You you have to be on top and uh, at the top of your game nowadays because the top boys are too consistent. Not not saying they weren't back then, but obviously. But do you well, think it was more of a time. top boys? Do you know? Do you think it was maybe five or six or seven top boys back then? Whereas now you're really looking at maybe three or four. Yeah, I would say the field nowadays is more competitive than it was back then. Uh, no disrespect to the riders that were riding in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. But it, when Mark won it, it was 24 riders. And um, I think some of them could have been replaced by you or, or Liam, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> So, Mark Larab, listen, great inclusion. He's the first time I think he's came up on the show, and I can't believe it's taken this long. Um, as yeah. you said, pure entertainment, uh, yeah, Mark Larab. Full, full um, excitement, money. Like it's a bit like Chris Harris nowadays. Even though he's not as his his prime, I love watching Chris race because you know he gives it all, and it's sort of the, the same thing Mark had. Uh, and funny enough, both of them had Norrie as a mechanic, didn't they? Um, so I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I need Norrie in my in my team to to race like that. <laughs> so we're heading over to Australia for the third member of your Super Seven. Uh, we've got a guy, another world champion, three times this time. Uh, who have you got at number three? Uh, Jason Crump. Uh, Jason Crump, and that's the first ride I've actually ridden with. Um, I rode with him for um, two years in Rosraff. In Poland, that was my first in 2006 and 2007. That was my first year in in Poland when I rode with him, and that's something I would never forget. Um, unfortunately, I got injured in 2007, so I only did one or two meetings. But the inputs and his, the help he gave me when I was only 17 and rode in extra league in Poland was uh, was was crazy back then for me because someone like Jason Crump was helping me, was talking to me, and 
I remember sometimes when I was sitting in the dressing room and stuff, I was scared of, of, of talking to him. Um, but again, he's, he's probably the one rider which you, when you watch him race and he's behind someone, you can just see him bending the handlebars and just stretching the cable a little bit, a little bit extra um, to gain more speed. And um, you can see his consistency. Uh, was it 10, 10 years he was in the top three, if I remember yeah, right? Something, something like that, yeah. Ridiculous amount of time. Yeah, and, um, three in the world. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't mind a, a consistency like that. Um, All-out professional as well. Um, not at the same level as Tony, uh, but for sure he he knew how um, well what what keys and what tools to uh, to use. That's for sure. Nikolai, how daunting was it being a seventeen-year-old riding in the extra liga? Very. Very. Um, it was it was the first year back then they they started uh, allowing foreigners uh, in in the team on the junior on the junior places in on six and seven and I got a call. Uh, I had the, the the year before I only rode in Denmark and I was supposed to just do Elsvenskan, which is the second best league in Sweden in two thousand six and um, Fleming Gravis and got a call from uh, Marek Cieslak, the Polish national coach, and asked if he knew anyone. He was like, oh, yeah, I know Nikolai. Is he any good? Oh, I don't know, but yeah, you can ask him when I ride. <laughs> and, uh, and I started riding there, and I remember the first time I came to practice, I beat Thomas Njajak, who, who, was, um, who was one of the better ones back then. Uh, yeah, and Obviously, when you come in at 17, you, you don't have any expectations. You don't even know who you line up against. Um, and then later you find out, oh, they was actually pretty good. I remember I beat, um, who do I beat? Oh, yeah, all I make, Lee Richardson in my first year and, and, and many good riders. And it was, but it, it was totally different. I was used to racing in Denmark. Obviously, my home track in Ultra was a bit rough, but... We had a practice session uh, two times two minutes before the meeting, and the track was that grippy that after the tri- after the practice session, my arms was was very very tired, <laughs> and I had to grab me one. <laughs> Valuable was that season for you as a young rider. Very, uh, very, because obviously previously my first year was in two thousand four and then five, and I was like making steady progress through uh, through the divisions and, and stuff like that in Denmark, but nothing special. And then riding in Poland, all of a sudden when I came home or when I traveled to Sweden, um, it was easy if I could say that because I was used to riding against better riders and, and also I was used to, to going fast. Um, all of a sudden, I was not afraid or scared or, or doubting myself. I knew that I was better than the riders I was riding against at home. Um, and the same year, I went to Stockholm, Hammerby, um, who we rode against in the Alsvenskan. I broke the track record. Uh, in the same year, Nicky Pedersen rode for Stockholm, Hammerby in the Elitserien. So it's not because I was going too, too slow, but it, it helped me loads. And also... When I went over to uh, to Tony's final lab in Pool the same year in the summer, 
Uh, I think he scored 10 or 11 points, beating some some good riders, Lindbergh, uh, Lee Adams, uh, Bjarne Pedersen, who was uh, uh, Mr. Poole, if you could say that back then. Um, so obviously it gave me loads of confidence. You said about being in a changing room with Jason Crump and I, 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 I've always been, I've played football, I've been in plenty of football changing rooms, things like that. What's a speedway changing room like? Because there's no, as far as I'm aware, the manager doesn't necessarily come in and give you a team talk beforehand because it looks like the guys go in, they get dressed or changed and then they come back out, head to the pits and just kind of go from there. You know, what is a speedway dressing room like? Well, it depends if you're asking me about the Edinburgh one or the Bellevue one. <laughs> is there a difference? Are the facilities maybe a little different? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> the, the one is slightly colder than the other one. <laughs> now, um, in general, it's uh, I think it's sort of it's sort of the same, uh, bar the manager not coming in. Um, like in pool, Midlow never came over. Uh, Wolverhampton, Pete Adams always came in and sat down, sat down with us, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, in Poland, I never see my team manager in the dressing rooms. I think he's too stressed walking about, getting everything ready. Um, but I think it's 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 just laid back. Uh, it's a bit of banter. Uh, some is sitting in the own zone. Um, but yeah, talking about myself, I'm just yeah trying to do routines and the same things as I always do before preparing myself for the meeting. I was just going to say, there's nothing on Tottenham Manchester City on, on Amazon. Yeah. It's nothing like that. Um, which I actually would like it to be in some way um, that you could sort of have a team talk. But obviously, we walk the track before the meeting and then we have a team talk there. So we're sort of left to our own when we get changed. Okay, we're going to stay in Poland for uh, the fourth member of your, your dream team. Who is? Thomas Golub. Uh, who's another rider I've, uh, I've rode with. I rode with him for two two years in, in Sweden, in Bastavik. Uh, very special guy. Very, very special guy. It's not that I've talked a lot to him. I talked more to his manager than him, obviously, because of the language barrier, but a phenomenal rider. Um, if it hadn't been for his head and his... Um, thinking of uh, well, wanting to be better than, than he was because he was very, very good. He didn't need to be any better, really. Uh, he would have been multiple world champion, that's for sure. And what is he, what is he like as a teammate to ride with? I mean, um, well, you, you've, you must have ridden with lots of people. I would imagine there'll be some riders you enjoy riding with. There's some you don't. Is there, a, is there just a chemistry where you meet somebody in a team and you, you click on track together? Well, even though uh, of the language barrier and stuff, he was actually pretty helpful. Um, it's not that I, I I went over to him or anything, but if there was a problem, uh, the team manager got hold of him and said, oh, can you just help this rider out or Nikolai out or whatever? And he, I think he rode for Vastavik for 15 years. Um, so he knew the track inside out and gave us some, um, us all uh, some tips and and whatnot, um, but he, he's more on the quiet side. Uh, I think it's a little bit different if you were Polish because um, then the language barrier wasn't really there. Mm. You mentioned about uh, um, you know his headspace and maybe if he'd been a bit 
I don't know the word to use, but he could have been multiple world champion. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a bit like Mark Laram, though. When you, you knew he was coming to tapes, you stopped everything and you watched what was about to happen because he was another one that was just pure entertainment. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how many videos there is on YouTube of, of, of his races. And um, I watched the, the 99, 99 final in Rostrov. Uh, with Jimmy and hundreds of times and many other races. And I don't think, uh, I know you mentioned Mark Lorraine, but I don't think there was a racer like Thomas Golub when, when he was racing in Poland. Uh, he was phenomenal. Uh, he didn't hold back for anything. And the gaps he went through, the chances he took, uh, I'm surprised he wasn't more injured than he, than, he, than he was when he was riding. I think he broke a collarbone and a hand and that was it. Um phenomenal rider and um, he definitely changed the sport in Poland and he was untouchable not just uh, on track but also outside the track I think I remember we'd spoken to Rory Schleiner and he'd said that he'd spoken to Thomas's manager and things and his manager had asked Rory how many what injuries have you had Rory's saying well I broke this 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 and this Uh, Thomas has broken I think maybe a collarbone or something you know it was just the, the difference in injury for a guy like you say who was balls out every time. Yeah, it's it, it's crazy, isn't it? And you can sort of say the same as, as Smart. Like he's sort of a little bit the same type of rider in, he, uh, in, in these modern days, but he doesn't really have any injuries. Um, and he, it's not because he doesn't take any chances either. No, no like one thing, just been... as well, which was, uh, <laughs> one thing with Thomas as well, which was a bit strange, like he would make a practice start and, and he could, he could or even warm up the bike and he could say, no, this is no good. I heard a story about uh, him going for practice in, in Gorshov and he was meant to be there around one or two in the afternoon, uh, just past lunchtime. And he didn't turn up till 9, 30, 10 uh, at night. And he practiced all the way to, uh, to two o'clock in the morning. Tried seven different engines. Crazy. Try to get that away in Edinburgh, Liam, trying to do the uh, right at two in the morning near the housing estate. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine, can you imagine the cold? Oh, cold <laughs> I tell you what, though, how important, you've talked about a couple of these guys, you know, they would give you advice as a younger rider and what have you. How important is it for you now to pass that on to the riders that are coming through now and to do the same thing? Um... I wouldn't say it's important for me, but I like giving advice. Uh, obviously, some people listen, some people don't, and um, it's up to them. But even though I give people advice, it, I'm not really scared of, of giving any, any secrets away as such. Obviously, um, I have some things I wouldn't really like to share with people because it's my own little thing uh, or things that I do that helps me. But overall... Uh, I would say if I told a rider everything that I knew, which I thought would benefit them, and I still beat them, well, then that makes me the better rider. So I could give a rider all the all the knowledge and experience that I got, but it's not necessarily means that he's going to beat me or he's going to use them the same way as I am. Um, but I like I like helping people. Um, I, I think that's down to the person I am. So we're away to the United States of America. 
Um, for our fifth rider, um, he is another four times world champion. Who do we have at number five? Uh, Greg, Greg Hancock. Um, and one of the reasons, uh, obviously, I've talk, talked about a lot of riding style and stuff. It's not so much about his riding style, but it's, again, it's his um, his way of thinking. Uh, he thinks Speedway, uh, he always want to do better. Um, I, I've tried to take a lot out of uh, his book, if you could say that. Not that he's been giving me a lot of advice, but just looking and, and hearing and seeing um, things that, that, that I could um, put into to my little bag of, of experience and knowledge. Uh, but if you look at Greg Hancock, he's, was he 40s? Eight when he won his last world championship, yeah, um, yeah, he's 50, coming up for 51 this year, yeah. So, yeah. I've still got a couple of, couple of years left to, to win. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the secret of his longevity is, you know, to, to sustain his career for that length of time? I think injury free, uh, it, obviously, he, he didn't take the chances and stuff like Thomas Collar, but he hadn't really had any, any injuries up until he he. Damaged his shoulder falling down the stairs. I think he broke a collarbone and had a, a concussion and stuff like that. But then again, he was he was a much more sensible rider and he was he had a, um, a head on his shoulders, if you could say that, which is not very uh, yeah. uh, is very, very unusual for speed riders, isn't it? He has, a, he has a head on his shoulders, but still ran a full back straight so he could spear Nicky Pedersen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. But now. Nah, um, I rode one meeting with Greg, uh, but then I've spoken to him a fair few times and, and I rode against him a fair few times as well and, and, and also beaten him um, a couple of times too. But he's definitely one um, that was in, in the newer era of Speedway, has been the best uh, of the best, even though he, he was 40 plus. He, he managed to be consistent. That consistency, like we talked about with Jason Crump before, he had that after everyone else uh, sort of uh, finished their career and yeah, he, he is second to none. Uh, he's actually a really good friend of my, one of my really good friends who, who's involved a little bit in, in my racing program on my team, if you could call that, um, which is a bit funny, but he still don't want to give any secrets away. <laughs> Nicolai, you mentioned about staying injury free, how some of these riders managed to do that. How big a part does luck play and whether or not you get injured uh, very much very much I would say but then again um, I'm not really a believer of, of God's faith or anything but I think sometimes God have a plan for you which uh, which you just gotta jump on whether you like it or not um, my injuries I've had a fair few over the years but the do one was my mistake when the one that sort of crashed my career um, around 2012. But then after that, when I was injured in, uh, in 2014, 2015, 2017, I either had people ride into me or people crash in front of me or, um, or hidden, uh, hidden very big holes on, on a not so good track. <laughs> We, we speak to a lot of guys in the client, they talk about the buzz from Speedway. You know, we ask them what do they miss about Speedway, and it's the buzz. Now, 
How does it, you think you win any race and you'll get that buzz? When you mentioned you beat Greg Hancock, what kind of buzz do you get after something like that? Is it bike in the van up the road? That's it. Can't go any better than that. (laughs) Pulling wheelies for four laps afterwards. (laughs) 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 Um, Obviously, it's it's a cool feeling beating someone like Greg Hancock, but not to sound cocky or anything... if if I wanna if I wanna go to to the level or get to the level uh, I see myself at, then I have to beat riders like that. But to beat something like Greg, Han- someone like Greg Hancock is is obviously special because he's achieved so much in in racing in speedway. Um, so it's pretty cool. But just winning a heat in in general is uh, is giving you a massive boost. Uh, I think some riders. When they win a heat, it, it looks like they won the world championship, uh, and also it does the same. Well, I do the same sometimes, but it depends on, on the heat, uh, who you beat, uh, how the heat have planned out. If it's been a good race or it's an important heat win, sometimes uh, I just give you or the rider behind behind me the, the good old wave, and then you I head back to the pits. Um, so it's very different. Sorry, Liam. Before we go on again, there's a dying trade happening in Speedway, and it's the lap of honor. Yeah. Now, so many riders will win the race and then they'll just burrow back round and head back into the pits. Is that a, is this like an inner circle thing with the riders that we fans don't know about? Or is it just something the riders are that focused and it's back on for the next race? Uh, I always, um, to be honest, I don't want to be, be up my own ass if you say that. <laughs> I, I, I always tend to do uh, to do a lap of honor. Um, I think it's important uh, for the fans, and also it gives me. I use it a bit as a as a breathing, bit of bit of breathing space instead of just coming into the into the pits being out of breath and falling off the bike. <laughs> um, now I think it's important. I think it's, it's it's a shame that not more more people do it. Obviously. If you have two on a trot or you, you're out and heat, let's say three and then five again, there's no break. You have to get in as quick as possible. But I always do it. Uh, I do it in Poland uh, if I want to heat. I do it in, in Denmark if I can. Uh, if I want to heat, um, most most of the of the pits are just behind or just in just in front of the the starting gate in Denmark. So you actually do sort of a lab anyway. Um, but most tracks, uh, I do it if we're at home. Um, away, I don't. Um, more often than not, sometimes I do. Um, sometimes I don't. Like if you do, if you go to Bellevue, for instance, then uh, you have to turn back on yourself. So it's, it's just as easy just to to do another lap, isn't it? It's a big track, so you probably need to refuel as well. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, Nikolai, if uh, Greg Hancock is one of the old guards, uh, we're going to head back to Poland for your number six. And it's very much one of the new guards that you have. Tell us who it is. Uh, it, was, um, it was a, a very, very tight toss-up between uh, him and Magic Novsky. Um, Magic, for, for different reasons. Uh, I think he's a quality rider, but uh, I chose Bartosz Maslik. Okay. And what is it about um, Bartos that excites you when you watch? He's only twenty-five, isn't he? Yeah, he's not very old. Um, he looks older than me. If you look at some pictures, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, uh, he, Peter Pan here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's 
two-time world champion back to back, and it haven't happened since have, hasn't happened since um, <coughs> Nicky Pettit, I think, uh, if I remember right. You're probably more more on, on that one than than I am, but he is the new Thomas Cobb of Speedway. Um, he is the face of Orlen, which is a massive fuel company in in Poland, and uh, not just not just because of that, but obviously he's an incredible rider. Super skilled on the bike, very very professional, um, and also I was lucky enough to to race in the same team as him this year, where he gave me loads of advice and actually using some of the advice that he gave me um, in my racing afterwards, and and obviously still is. Uh, I haven't finished yet. Um, so it's a superb rider, uh, and not many many riders is is beating him around uh, around the gorge circuit. We've asked, we've asked this question before. How much of it, Nikolai, do you think in a rider like that, how much is instinct and how much is learned? I would say uh, it's difficult to put a percentage of it on it, but um, instinct is very, very important in Speedway um, because you, can't, you, you can practice as much as you want, you can learn as much as you want, but when, when, when the tapes goes up, uh, most of it is instinct um, because you don't know what the rider in front of you is going to do or the rider behind you is going to do, where they're going to come from. Um, so you've got to be very, very aware on uh, on what they're going to do and where you're going to ride and also how the track changes, not just from heat to heat, but through the heat you're racing in and um, what lines are the fastest. So I would say, obviously, the the learn learning curve, you, you go... Um, on from from when you start, uh, all the experience you gain, what you learn, obviously you have that on the back, um, and you use that to to your knowledge and, and when you need it. But most of it is in instinct, uh, I would say for sure. Uh, Nicola, I had a very interesting conversation with um, a, a guy, Stuart McDonald. Um, Stuart rode for Edinburgh and he rode for Wolverhampton. Um, both he and I worked for the same company, and. We were talking about Schmarslick. It was actually, believe it or not, it was a conversation about Hans Nielsen who had said that he had to come to the UK as a rider. Mm. He encouraged everyone to come to the UK, learn the smaller tracks and, 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 and really hone your skills. And we got talking about the Grand Prix and how he won this year. There was no small tracks, really. You didn't have Cardiff and things like that that were smaller, tighter tracks. They were mostly all big Polish um, tracks. Do you think that might have been the key to success this year? Or do you think small tracks, things like that, that won't bother him? He would have won that world title had we had a full Grand Prix calendar. I think I, I don't know if he would have won it anyway. Um, obviously, he most of the rounds was in Poland. Um, but I've seen him race, uh, not, just, not just in Poland, in... Um, in Sweden as well, in in in, in Denmark, um, and he can he can turn the bike uh, as as good as anyone. Uh, and also, if you look if you look at Pavlitsky, when he joined Wolverhampton, he he could use the inside better than I've ever been able to do around Wolverhampton. So, I wouldn't say nowadays you 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 need to to go to England to to master the smaller tracks. But there's loads of more things you need to go to England for than just master the small tracks. Um, 
things like what? He's a very technical rider, and also Gorshov, even though it's a Polish track, it's not very, very big. Is one of the smaller circuits uh, around Poland. Hmm. Interesting. So, on to your final rider in your one to seven, uh, back to Australia. Uh, who do we have to complete the lineup? Unfortunately, he's not uh, racing uh, with us anymore. But I know he's he's still very heavily involved in the sport, and it's uh, it's Darcy Ward. Uh, it's one you can't you can't miss out on, on on your one to seven. He's the most exciting rider in in the new in newer times that's ever been. Uh, after Antonio Lindback came on the scene as an mm. eighteen or nineteen year old. And I'm sure if, if it wouldn't have been for his uh, fatal injury, he, he would have been um, multiple world champion by now. Mm-hmm. We talk about instinct when we spoke about Bartosz Marzik. You know, could you argue that you're maybe born a world champion? Because this guy, had he had another couple of years, surely, and we've spoken to a number of people who have said he would have been a multiple world champion. Do you think there's an argument that you're perhaps born to be that? You know, and you have to hone your skills and things, but you're maybe just born to be a champion. I, I don't think you're born to be a champion. I think it's the way you, not the, not necessarily the way you're brought up, but the, the way you you learn from life. Um, as you guys know as well, I've, I've worked a lot on on myself or with myself uh, over the last few years, and I sort of changed my my attitude and my way of living, uh, how I look at life and stuff like that. And if you take Darcy, for instance, he, he was born with a talent, a motocross bike, speedway bike, it didn't matter. He could ride it with his eyes closed better than anyone else. Um, but when, again, I mentioned that thing about God have a plan for everyone. Uh, I don't think if it would have been for his, his ban um, when he got caught uh, with... Um, from uh, what's it called, uh, alcohol in, in dagger pills, that that would have changed his attitude towards the sport because I know he went home, he trained, he went on diet and he came back like no one else. Like he was a totally different person. He, he, he was on form. Like I don't know how many maximums he, he had in England when he came back riding for Swindon. He was unbeatable. On, on, on uh, he went to Poland, absolutely smashed it. Um worked on, on his weaknesses, made them his strong points and unfortunately had that crash. Um, but he, he would have been a, a, a multiple champion, that's for sure. Is a reminder of the, the risks that you all take every time you get on a bike to entertain us? Obviously it is. Obviously it is. And you can, if you take Darcy's crash um, as an example, it wasn't even a risk he took. He, he was just behind Laguda. Uh, going on to the last lap and he just hit a small rod. It wasn't even because he was trying. Uh, he just hit a small rod and the bike just went went away from him a little bit, clipped his back wheel and then fell awkwardly and it, it could happen to anyone. I think some of the crashes that that we've all seen, uh, we would think, bloody no. Uh, then they were going to walk away from them and they, they stand up, brush themselves off, race the next team. Yeah. Whereas some of the crashes where you think, oh, get up. Like nothing happened to you and they they've broken something um it, it's a bit weird to to think how how that actually happens but obviously we take a risk every time and and you have to trust uh, one another when you go on track obviously some some riders you you can't trust as much as others unfortunately 
Well, it's an amazing one to seven you've got there, Nikolai, but if you had to pick one to be your captain, who would it be? Uh, Greg, for sure. Um, I don't think there's a much better team rider uh, in the pits and on track um, as Greg. Uh, I've, I've seen him many times and, and spoken to loads of people and he's very, very helpful because even though he... He wants to win. He wants to see his team to win. Um, it, uh, you, you've seen it lots of times um, not so good riders ride on winning teams and obviously that makes them better. And then they go somewhere else the next year and they don't fill the potential, well, the potential they had the year before on a winning team. It must be, it must be brilliant to turn up to a, a meeting and you're going there and there's Greg Hancock in the pits as, as the captain just waiting to, to have a chat with you and get you up for it. And, you, know, you probably wouldn't need a huge amount of motivation after knowing that he's in your corner. So, no, that's, no that's, that's true. That's true. I've heard the same thing about me. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. Uh, but not sure. Um, and especially because lots of the younger riders and even myself, if, if I was going to ride on the same team as him this year. Um, massive motivation. If, and if we just go back a little bit, I was meant to race on the same team as Jason this year. And that was something mm. I really, really look, was looking forward to because obviously I've raced with Jason before and, and I know how much that helped me. Now I'm a, I'm a better rider. I'm older. Uh, he's coming back out of retirement. And, and I was really hoping uh, that he could help me in certain ways, by riding with him week in, week out, um, you're helping me progress a bit more with a few tips. And who would be the guy then? Who's been the manager that would hold, that you've worked with, that would hold this one to seven together? Um, obviously, I, I've, uh, I've worked with, Neil, um, with Peter Adams uh, for many years, and he's, he's an amazing manager. Um, but I would say Neil Middle, Neil Middleditch. Yeah, and what right. makes Neil stand out? Well, he's um, he, he's so funny. He's so funny. But when uh, when when it comes down to business, he he means business as well. He's he's pretty pretty sharp um, when it comes down to tactic tactics and stuff. And he's not afraid of telling you to sit out because. Another rider got to take a, a tactical to to gain points. Um, he's very brutal, and it, it actually took me a, a few years before he sort of. Um, I don't know if you could say uh, got a liking of me or whatever, but he had. It took him a year or so before he he, he sort of found out who I was and, and sussed me out, kind of thing. And uh, I, I loved every minute of, minute of it in 2019 when when it was uh, my last season at Pool. And also, he helped me that year by believing in me because he gave me loads of heat 15. He gave me loads of tacticals and stuff. And as a rider, when you have a manager that, that put that trust in you, then you don't want to let him down, do you? Well, that's, that's perfect timing then for the next question. Heat 15 is the last heat decider. Who do you put out? Who are your two choices from your team? Hmm... Darcy, Darcy Ward and Greg Hancock. Darcy and Greg. And uh, what is it about that pairing? Well, I was actually thinking about Tony uh, and, uh, and Jason. Um, I could probably put Jason in with Darcy um, 
Jason in with Darcy as well. Um, but Greg, I think as a team, he would probably be the better team rider, even though Jason is a great team rider as well, um, like you, you've seen many a times, um, as well as Darcy. So I, I think you get the most out of a, out of a Greg and, and Darcy situation, a bit like when they rode together at pool. Okay. Mm. Now we've got 10 quick fire questions to yep. um, take you to the end of the show. Um, just a bit of fun here, Nikolai. John, do you want me to start or do you want to go? Well, on, you, on you go, Liam. On you go. Okay. Number one, the, when was the last time you were on a speedway bike? It was in the, I think it was 11th of October 2020. And it was a bit gosh, the last league meeting of, uh, of the year. Do you have a lucky or favourite helmet colour? Mm. No. 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 Do I, you I have a favourite? Because uh, I would choose red helmet colour because it matches me Kevlar. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favourite gate or is there one gate that you like to go off or does it just vary? Um... Obviously, inside gate most of the time is 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 the best gate because you got the most control into the first corner. But I think, as many other riders would say, uh, favorite gate is gate four. If you make it, it's uh, it's it's the best feeling to make it on. Uh, uh, well, over the the three other guys coming from the outside. Tea or coffee? Coffee, for sure. If you were not a speedway rider, what would you have been? Well, we could spend the next 10 minutes on, <laughs> on what, what it would have been. I'm just surprised because... you didn't just straight away say male model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually, not many people know, but I've actually had a photo shoot in, uh, in 2019. That was because one of my mates, he had um, a clothes shop and then he needed some photos for uh, his online shop and he asked if I wanted to do some. That's the only photo shoot other than the speedway stuff I've uh, I've done. But I would probably be a chef. I like I like cooking food. Uh, I've been some been on some some cooking courses, and um, when I went into working experience uh, in school, I, I went um, bakery, and then for a week we had to do uh, like learning experience kind of thing. Oh, sorry, learning experience as a baker, and then we had to do like um, working experience or something like that, where where I went to a chef's school, a cooking school for a week. So something like that, probably. Um, do you have a favourite pastime or hobby? Sleeping. <laughs> nah. <laughs> uh, nah, I, lo I love spending spending time with my, my girls. I've got two girls, um, Emily on seven, and then Maeve, uh, who's just turned one in December. Um, other than that, I like, I like doing my training. Um, yeah, and then other boys' things, uh, so watching watching a film or, or playing PlayStation. Not, 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 but I don't have anything as such. Yeah. Okay, number seven is what is your favourite film? So again, perfect timing. Oh, um, I don't have a f American Gangster. Oh, I love that. Brilliant, uh, most brilliant with, choice. Brilliant film, mate. But most films with Denzel Washington. I watched Flight the other day. I hadn't watched that. Oh yeah, really good. Ages. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, 
So most films with Denzel Washington or, or Mark Wahlberg, I think he's an amazing actor as well. Race suit or race jacket? Race suit. And the worst thing about Speedway? It's that it's only an eight month of the year job. The worst thing about Speedway is probably the traveling. Um, it takes a toll sometimes, especially the early morning flights, um, the long hours in the van. Um, but yeah, it comes with it. Um, in 2019, I had around 100 flights. So you could uh, add that up how many hours I spent on an airplane. And the best thing about Speedway? Winning. I always say the best thing is winning. Um, coming back coming back to the worst thing about Speedway is probably the training you have to put into it. Um, but obviously, the, the the winning makes up for all of it. Um, also, all the all the things you experience, uh, you see, people you meet. Um, it, I, I love I love Speedway. I know it's it's not um, on a, on a level of being a football player or or anything um, with the with the money or with the fame, but I love I love Speedway, and I think. Even even though uh, you you world champion uh, or whatever, uh, I think everyone is more or less level headed and can speak to everyone. Uh, I like that about about my sport. Well, that's a great and way. Also, um, the, also, the fans are very passionate, uh, aren't they? No matter where it is, um, so it, it's 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 a great sport. I love it. Yeah, that's great words and a great way. Um, to end the show. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Nikolai. Um, it's been fascinating. Um, there's been a lot of laughs and we've thoroughly enjoyed it, Liam. Yeah, it's been a great show, Nikolai. It's been a, a pleasure to talk to you. Um, always great to hear the stories that we don't see, if you like, the stories from behind the scenes. So thank you for your time today. No problem. Anytime. And if we, uh, if or when we do get back recent in 2021, and you find yourself at Edinburgh, I don't want to see any of those lap of honours, all right? <laughs> last, last, actually, something that um, many don't know, I think it was the Knockout Cup semi-final. Um, do you remember when we beat you by 28 points? Was it at, at, at Workington? Uh, yeah, the, the day before at Edinburgh. Yeah, 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 uh, Ronnie, yeah, yeah. Ronnie Allen actually fined me <laughs> for, for not trying. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's one of us, Liam. He's one of us. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, Nikolai. Listen, thank you very much. We'll be back soon with another episode of Super 7 where we can find out a current of former riders' ultimate dream team. Thanks for watching. <laughs>